Did you see the pictures of the PS5? I did. It's not small. I don't know why people are. Well, I guess, you know, I guess because it's also not, you know, it has to be powerful. And as these things, the platforms go on, they have to be designed now with years of headroom in front of them. And so they can't be small, like anything small. Not necessarily, though, because the PS4 was a lot smaller than the PS3. So they actually yeah. start went back in the opposite direction. <laughs> and then the PS5 is substantially larger than the PS3. It is Wait, it is, is this tweet of yours to scale? Yes. That is fair. That's to scale. See, I that that it's I absolutely to scale. See, I don't know where I would even put that in my house. Uh, I mean, and we have a big living room. <laughs> uh, but I don't think we designed I don't think we designed our under the TV console area to accommodate something like this it's still smaller i think i checked it's small it's still not as wide as like a stereo receiver or something because the ps4 is actually pretty narrow if you look at it straight on it's it's relatively deep but 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 it's pretty narrow but yeah this thing's big the other thing that's interesting is they're shipping a discless version from day one and it looks like a machine that was shipped to be a discless version the the discless version looks much more natural and, and balanced and just seems to make a lot more sense symmetric right exactly there's a couple of things that are interesting as a non-console gamer, and even my son, who is definitely would self-identify as a gamer and is very serious about it, I don't even know. He's not even bugging us about buying one of these. I think he's so into PC gaming, and he played the heck out of his PS4. Like I have no, no doubt about it. We got our, do- our money worth out of owning it, and I, I guess we even had it. I'm trying to remember if we were using that as our blu-ray player or if it our blu-ray playing went back to ps3 even it is fascinating to me as a non-gamer though the way that they've sort of given up on shipping discless ones they are shipping a discless one that's the point but making an entire generation just saying there is no disc oh got it yeah they didn't go all the way well what's interesting you mentioned the this the pc angle is what's it actually i think there's more to the size than than just industrial design microsoft and sony are actually going pretty different directions this generation where microsoft is very focused on your typical sort of console where the specs are very well defined so you know exactly what you're building for so one of the things they focus on is like the the gpu and the cpu always run at the same speed no matter what and they engineered the the industrial design of of the xbox is actually quite similar to the the trash book mac uh pro no trash can trash can yeah trash not trash book (laughs) oh sorry i'll get mixed together The, the trash can mac pro which was like perfectly engineered to an inch of its life for the components it had and then famously could not change out the components because then it would overheat. But that's how they they have a similar design where they have a big fan at one end of it that pulls air through the whole thing, much like the sort of trash can worked. And the idea is we're going to deliver a consistent performance developers can count on all the way through, which is the way it's always worked and has always been very different than PCs, where you have to deal with a range of graphic cards, a range of processors. You have to be very flexible, which means that PC games can potentially have much better sort of output but you have to be able to accommodate much worse and so it's it's a different sort of challenge the point of all this is that sony's ps5 is actually going more in a pc direction where the cpu and gpu performance will vary based on the sort of thermal capacity that the system has and so you can't guarantee it to a developer but 
I think that plays into this design because if you squint, this actually looks like a massive heat sink, right? They have right. it looks like they've tried to give it as large a thermal envelope as possible so that they can be competitive with sort of Microsoft's offering and are betting on sort of like processors becoming smaller, the system becoming more efficient over time, so that by the time they get halfway through the generation, they're shipping a much smaller system that is still competitive. I saw, it's certainly not an original observation, but I saw a ton of people who, when Microsoft unveiled the next Xbox, what's it called? What's the new Xbox called? I think it's Xbox X or something All right. Well, let's like just that. Get, let's just get this out of the way. Let's give credit to Sony. Let's give a lot of credit to Sony for a same name scheme. <laughs> P- PlayStation, PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5. Yes. Hats off to you, Sony. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, because Microsoft, because their second generation was competing with the PS3. So they called it the Xbox right. 360, which, okay, yeah. I, like it's kind of like Apple with the iPhone 3G. So I, 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 can, I can get what you're sort of pulling, trying to pull with that. And you the 3GS, and now it's actually the third generation, but then they threw it away with 4S. Anyhow, the, the point is, is then they went back to the Xbox One. <laughs> you can't call your fourth generation the Xbox One. It just, oh, man. I wonder, just to, to go on a brief digression, if the names of the cellular technologies had been off by one, and what we, in hindsight, called 3G networking, if that had been called LTE, just just to use that name LTE to mean 3G, the thing that would have been on the new iPhone in 2009, you know, 2008, I guess. 2007 was the original, and then 2008 was the iPhone 3G. Would they would they have called it the iPhone LTE? That's a good question. And then they wouldn't have had the numbers? And, and would they have ever numbered them? Or would they have gotten onto the numbers eventually? Or would they have just called it the iPhone 2? I don't know. But anyway, digression over. Well, the, the other thing is what Microsoft should have done, because I, I get the point, right? Because they started a generation behind Sony. They didn't want it to always be the PS5 versus the Xbox 4, right? You know, I, I get right. the, just, just skip a number. <laughs> just They should have gone right. from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox 4. And it was like, where's the Xbox right. 3? And they're like, uh, well, like they, they're not afraid to skip numbers. I mean, look at Windows 10. I mean, they just skipped a whole bunch of numbers. They're like, ah, these other numbers are boring. Let's just go right to 10. And then with the Xbox, they're like, tripling down on x as the coolest letter of the alphabet you know let's just get another one in there i do miss software being named by the year where you had like office 97 or office 2000 or all those sort of thing that feels man that feels like a million years ago that that was actually a thing that people did the first software i can ever remember named like that was adobe illustrator 88 oh that's a great number i don't even know what the version number of illustrator 88 was but it was probably like two maybe it was even like 1.5 i don't feel like looking it up but it just seemed you know seemed very futuristic at the time when i was in high school and i had no way to even get it i was just reading about it in a magazine but anyway there's one point i wanted to bring up about the the intel arm thing and again we're going to touch this multiple times but i was listening to a few podcasts one over the weekend and people talking about the what the development kit will be which i think is actually this is kind of a fun thing to to sort of think about because like the mechanics of them putting arm in their laptops is pretty straightforward they already make arm chips they're very good they're going to make them good for the laptops. They're going to be more power efficient. They're going to be cheaper. Like, it's actually kind of straightforward, the reason to do this. It's just because sort of, and they've already gone through these transitions before, so they know what it's going to be like. I think the interesting questions are emulation. What, if anything, are they going to do? And I think this dev kit question is actually kind of interesting. You were very strongly 
against it being an iPad Pro. And I mean, I'll admit that was the first thing that popped into my mind. It already exists. It's already out there. It has it. We know it has a strong enough processor. They've already added the capabilities to add on external screens and external controls. They even ship it now with a trackpad. I would approach it from a question of why not use the iPad Pro? Well, first, that's a, it's a good question. So I, and I, I seriously have a steak dinner bet on this with my friend from my Vesper app experience, Dave Wiskus, who thinks they will. I think that I don't even think it even entered their thoughts. I don't, I, I think that like people at Apple are like reading all this external speculation and they're like, huh, I guess maybe we could have, but they, it's just, just so far afield from what they would do that they wouldn't even do it. Number one, it, it just for a bunch of reasons. It just, number one, it's the idea that it's convenient because they're shipping something that technically could serve as a Mac in the interim and could, in theory, run Mac, you know, an ARM version of Mac OS 10. Apple doesn't do things for convenience. They're, they don't care that it, it's such a weird, awkward hack. And and it's a device that the new ones only have. I mean, even if they said they have to have the brand new ones, the ones that just came out a couple months ago, because they all have six gigabytes of RAM. Six gigabytes of RAM is less than any Mac on the market. Developers don't use that. And some of the apps, of course, not all. There's an awful lot of apps that could be ported and recompiled for ARM and tested and verified. And okay, we're ready to go on day one by by testing it on a dev kit with only six gigabytes of RAM. But there's a lot of software out there that can't, including some of Apple's. How in the world would a developer of something that's meant for like professional video editors using doing 4K video reasonably test their software on hardware that is maxes out at six gigabytes of RAM. Why would Apple ship a, a touchscreen on an operating system that doesn't have touchscreen support? Well, let me jump in on the RAM one. The RAM one is a fair is a fair pushback. I think though it could be an and approach as opposed to an or approach sort of thing, where because they're dealing with so much scale, the whole world, right? And there could be a version for iPad Pros that's broadly available, and then also a dev kit for developers of things like Logic or Photoshop or whatever it might be. And to, and to the point, you actually just linked to this. This is one of my, uh, I, I think this is a very good pushback. That dev kit is likely to be a desktop box, not which is just sort of the uh, shambolically put together. I mean, of course, it'll have an Apple Touch to it. But as opposed to like engineering a laptop requires quite a bit more work than putting together a good enough sort of desktop box. So we're not talking like Mac Pro level of engineering here. We're yeah. talking like a, a functional desktop computer is pretty straightforward and easy to put together for like just a thermal envelope capacity, all a power capacity, all those sorts of things. So I could see it being both, but the, the RAM point is a fair one. That is a good point. I also think that, that it's a keen observation by, it was Brendan Shanks who wrote the post that I, I linked to, and I would really wish I had thought of it, that there's just no way that they would want anybody to, do, they can they could say, we're going to la- ship this MacBook with an ARM chip, it's the developer test kit, it's only for the next couple of months while you're testing your apps, this isn't what we intend to ship, blah, 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 please don't draw any conclusions from it, and then as soon as people get them, they would draw conclusions and say, you know, here, I got seven hours of battery life, I got 11 hours of battery life, here's the uh, benchmarks, blah, blah, blah. 
they're going to do that with whatever they ship and benchmark it and stuff. But like a laptop, I don't think they want people drawing any conclusions. And it also costs more because you have to ship a screen. You have to ship a, a right. controller, all that sort of thing. I don't think, by the way, the, the touchscreen is an obstacle for the iPad Pro. It'll be pretty clear if whatever mode you get into with it, that it is what it is. Yeah, they could do it. And I think a lot of other companies in a similar situation, if they had a product like the iPad Pro, would do that because it might be in some cases the path of least resistance and it might provide a lot of developers out there. You already have one right there. You can just install this and then when you're done testing, just uh, tap this, tap that, go back to the iPad OS or something like that. A lot of companies would do that. I'm not saying it's a technical problem, but I just feel perception wise and in terms of how Apple rolls that Apple would just never want to do that. They're just not going to do it. Even just the way the corners are rounded on the on the screen. It doesn't look like a Mac display. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's a good point that Apple would never want to have like anything that approaches or seems to be production or real life or something that is clearly a, a dev kit sort of thing. That's a that's a very fair point. At the same time, it's worth noting that in previous transitions, they didn't have a bunch of power PC devices, like millions and hundreds of millions of them floating out there ready to be used, right? right? The possibility is there. But I guess, I mean, Intel computers were out there. so And they certainly did not release a version of, say, oh, go buy a Dell and then add on, here, you know, here's a disk where you can put OS ten on it. Yeah. They didn't do that either. So that's actually, I think, uh, fits in with your argument that they still did something that they fully controlled, the sort of full hardware and software stack. Then again, there was no sort of of their own their own sort of hardware out there. I also think that just the bare minimum of a de- developer hardware desktop box, you just need you need more than one USB C port, especially if you're supposed to drive an external display. And people who have iPad Pros can complain about Dongle Town all they want now, and they have some good points that you know if you're supposed to be able to use it as your professional tool and it's your only computer why in the world does it only have one USB-C port? I just think that for developers porting software who want to connect external drives and stuff like that, it's it's just a non-starter. Same thing applies in spades. Another idea, just to get it out of the way and save people from tweeting us, people have said, well, what about an Apple TV? Why not use the Apple TV? Same thing, limited RAM, no USB-C ports. I think the display out doesn't wouldn't let you drive the new uh, $6,000 Pro Display XDR. Yep. Again, a lot of people don't have $6,000 Pro Display XDRs, but if you do, you'd sure want to be able to hook up your uh, developer kit hardware to it and use it, right? Like, how mad would you be if you just spent $6,000 on a display and then your next few months are porting your app to ARM and you can't even use the $6,000 display that you have? The other weird thing is it really does show how weird Apple's lineup is for desktops that don't have a built-in display because it goes all the way from the Mac Mini <laughs> yeah. all the way to the, you know, starts at $6,000 new Mac Pro and is, you know, a giant $1,000 box before you even get to the computer that's inside the, the case. I do have to say, I've gotten, I, I don't know if it's dust or what, but my iMac is spinning up the fans more and more frequently. And I swear to God, every time that happens, I, I, I that, that $6,000 looks more and more reasonable. <laughs> Just to get rid of the dust. 